The following program is sponsored by Marty, McClendon, and West Coast Windows. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Good morning, everybody, all across the ACN network. This is Marty McClendon, your host of In My Opinion, the show I do every Saturday morning all across the ACN network. That's the American Christian Network. Uh, Eastern and Central Washington, and all across through podcasts all across the world. I know it sounds really big and exciting, but the bottom line is you have an opportunity to hear the show every Saturday morning in your radio, in your home, and your car, or wherever you're going. But you can also listen to past podcasts or broadcasts, if you will, that turn into podcasts. Get that straight. Past broadcasts that are podcasts on your smart speaker, on uh, Anchor, on Amazon, on iTunes, and so forth and so forth. Check out In My Opinion by Marty McClendon or the, my other show with my co-host, Doug Bastler, uh, Doug and Marty versus the World, which tends to be more fun, meaning um, uh, there's the interplay between Doug and I. Doug is the funny one. I mean, I'm the straight man. He is the funny man. So... Tune in on these same networks at 10 a.m. every Saturday morning for Doug and, Doug and Marty versus the World. And you can find those podcasts of those broadcasts also in those same places. Try that 25 times in a row, right? Good morning. Uh, the song, my intro song and my outro song is, you know, God can do anything. God is amazing. I think I forget that sometimes and try and stress and worry and do all kinds of things before I go, oh, yeah. I know the Lord of the universe, the, the, the God that created all things, that keeps all things together, that, that uh, sin has only begotten Son to die on the cross for my sins. Oh, I could go talk to him since he is, and most powerful, the only one that can do something about it. Go figure, right? Uh, I think we try to do things in our own strength so many times. That's not the, the focus of today's show, but it's just, it should be in some cases. As always, we start off, though, with the Word of God. A scripture verse that I pull up, either be the verse of the day or be the verse uh, I found in, in my scripture reading or whatever it may be that happens to be. Today happens to be more random. I just pulled it up. And it always is the right word, don't you think? Isn't that amazing when you need to hear something and you open up your scripture, you start reading, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, um, something gets illuminated. And you're like, yeah, that's good. In fact, I'll talk about a story in a second that I really uh, enjoyed. And just be who you are. I'll talk about that in a second. But this verse for this week is Acts. That's the book of Acts, which is the first book after the Gospels, if, if you're new to the Bible. It's the, basically the story of the apostles, right? The Acts of the, the early church, if you will. It says, but... I do not consider my life as something of value or dear to me so that I may, with joy, finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify faithfully of the good news of God's precious, undeserved grace which makes us free of guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. This is the Amplified Version, so there's extra words. In which The extra words are the ones where they say, well, it could have meant this, this way, or this way, translation-wise. So they add all the different um, possibilities in the Amplified. So, kind of why I like it, because it's okay. Uh, it, it, 
it expounds upon sort of like the English language. If we say it is brown, we we have other descriptive words to say. Well, it's kind of more of a milky brown or a milk chocolate brown or whatever. This is the amplified version. So it says, "But I do not consider my life as something of value or dear to me." Meaning, he's not afraid to die, right? So that I may with joy finish my course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. This is Paul speaking, obviously. Uh, to testify faithfully of the good news of God's precious, undeserved grace, which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. And the funny, we're not free of sin. We're free of the guilt of sin because God, Jesus paid the price of it. So this shame and guilt isn't upon us when we receive his free gift. And yet it's costly, right? This undeserved. I think all too often, us as Christians, we start thinking that, oh, I'm a good person. I go to church. I've done this X, Y, and Z. And I'm constantly reminded to myself that I, have, that I fall short daily, that, that I cannot believe that this God, this creator that created me, that knitted me in my mother's womb, would send his only begotten son who had no sin to die for me, not just that once, but all of my life when I continue to fall short, that he... Um, takes my place, that I get his righteousness. It just, it says undeserved grace, which makes us free from the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. Eternal life, that's just, all of this stuff is, is amazing to me. As a, as a licensed pastor, which I haven't been in the pulpit for years now, but I love preaching the word of God. I love when the word of God reveals and opens up something in me where I go, wow, that is really cool. I want to share this. This, this undeserved merit that we can't earn it. I think all too often I try to say, well, you know, I'm, I haven't done this, so therefore, no, no, it's, a, it's not a performance-based. It is one of those things because of our realization of his love, we act out of that. But the reason I wanted to bring this scripture, not only because it popped up today, but the second part is, is he said that he doesn't consider his life as something of value or dear to me, so that I may with joy finish my course. Purpose. I see this. He has a purpose. Um, the re- resurrected Christ appeared before him and gave him his purpose, redirected his life, gave him a new name, and set him on the path. He was a, the, the, the lead persecutor of early Christians. Killing, stoning, you know, even Stephen, right? And in turn, it becomes the, the, the author of two-thirds of the New Testament, if you will. Uh, and this great evangelist across all of early church is uh, Saul turned to Paul. I just love this story, but he was given a purpose. And I think this is one for me. I do really well when I have a clear calling, a clear direction on where I want to go. If I've got a campaign to run, if I've got kids to raise, if, if I've got a um, uh, football, baseball, soccer, whatever it may be, game to win, uh, I've got a, a, a goal and a purpose, and I'm driven to do well and do well. great. It's the in-between times. I feel like right now I'm in an in-between time. I'm doing things, and I'm working at my career, and my kids are, I mean, you know, all we're almost empty nesters. They're in college. I have two daughters in college still. I'm getting the second one off here shortly um, for the, the, the her senior year at Central Washington, and then, of course, my Youngest one is now a junior and on the cheer team at WSU, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, but we're almost there as well. But it feels like I'm waiting for the next assignment, if you will. Not giving up on the assignments I've already been given, 
but I haven't been called to run for office yet. I know I will again. Uh, I haven't been called for the next big project. And that's where me personally, just being honest here, I struggle in that in-between place. Purpose. Paul had a very clear call and purpose that he was able to fulfill with joy, so much so that he didn't care about his own life. He didn't care about being ridiculed. He didn't care about uh, losing his own life. He knew that he had a call in his life, and he had joy to run to finish it. And that's a desire I think all of us have. There's been studies for senior citizens in nursing homes. And when they retired, their family's gone on, or maybe they don't have a lot of friends anymore because they're getting older, oftentimes they die without a purpose. And they found that when they gave them a plant to take care of, when they gave them a puppy or a cat or an animal or something along those lines, or a job to do where they serve in a community, any one of those things, they live longer. They, their life, their vitality comes back because I think we're wired that way. We're wired to have a purpose, to be doing something. Even when uh, God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them a job to do, to tend the garden, to name the animals, to have relationship. You know, and when the fall came after the fall and the, and the apple and the sin there, we were separated from God. Even there, they tilled the ground, grew the food. There, there's something about this in us. We're not um, wired to be idle. We're not wired to have no purpose. We're not wired or designed or created um, to just, um, now I wouldn't say relax, we are required to rest. But once again, I think we're, we have this something in us that drives us to be about something. And when there's nothing, or when there's loss of hope, that's where hope comes in. We're working towards something, hope. When we lose hope, when we lose, there's no purpose in our life, that's when the suicide, that's when the depression, that's when all these other things find, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me on the air, um, when all these other things invaded our life trying to fulfill a void, and I mean the void is Jesus, obviously we know the Savior, the God in our life, but beyond that it's the purpose that God provides in our life. Without that, we look to fill it with things that aren't healthy and are actually harmful to us. So, I think there's a lot of issues in our, in our world right now uh, where people are hopeless, where they have an emptiness, where they're not being told the truth, where they have no purpose, or they're confused about who they actually are, their identity. That's another thing, too. I don't want to spend the whole show on this, but purpose and identity, which are the two things that Christ gives us when we receive him, too. Not only that, eternal life, but two of them, purpose and identity. Who are you? You are a child of God. You've been bought and paid for, but you were created in, the, in your mother's womb. You mean uh, knitted in your mother's womb, created before the foundations of time. Good works were stored up for you to do. These are all the words of, the, of God in the, in the Word of God, the Bible. And, right, he knew you. He numbers the hair on your head. He cares about you. He sends angels to care for you. All of these things. This is the, who we are. We have our identity in Christ. Um, that we were um, born and, and were adopted into the family because of God's grace, uh, the undeserved, unmerited grace that we get uh, when we choose to repent of our sins, to turn away from this wicked world, and to receive his free gift because he knew us, to know that the God that made us and loved us and, and died for us and cares for us is the same God that wants a relationship with us. Yes, amen. 
So this, that's that identity. I am a child of God. And then my purpose is, what has God called me to do, those good works he stored up? That's powerful. Now, absent that, when you don't know who you are, in this world that tries to influence our kids now, indoctrinate them, groom them for sexual predators, for the transgender ideology, the LGBTQI, all the stuff that I've talked about multiple times, it brings in confusion. Children lose their identity, or they're searching for, and they're trying to find things that they can grab onto and it doesn't fit. They don't have this sense of being a child of God because they're, uh, the world is trying to hide them from that, to obscure them, and confuse them. And then the purpose. If you don't know you're a child of God, don't know your identity, and then what's your purpose in life, right? Is it Facebook or Instagram likes? Is it um, getting um, noticed by something else? Is it being provocative? Is it being uh, a toy or a slave? These are things where the outpouring of this is devastatingly sad. Uh, I spent a lot more time on these. There's just something that's in me that says, you know, I wanted to encourage you today that if you know Jesus, you have identity and you have purpose. Pray and find out what you're supposed to be doing today. It may be serving your neighbors. It may be serving your families. It may be calling out and encouraging somebody else. It may be one of those things where you're being moved to step into politics or to get into media or broadcasting or doing your own podcast like this show is, this, this broadcast. I don't know what it is, but it's, once again, identity and purpose uh, come from our relationship. And there's so many people around us. And this is why Paul said his, his goal, his his calling, his purpose to the point where his life didn't matter was the good news of God's precious, undeserved love. So maybe you're called to be an evangelist. Maybe you're called to go out and just share the love of God with somebody who is facing this confusing, scary world right now. And that may be just it. That may be changing a life forever, for eternity, by being who you are in their life. Crazy. So I mentioned my daughter's at the uh, WSU. Uh, so my daughter um, made a cheer team. And I've, I'm very proud of my youngest daughter. I'm very proud of all my children. And, of course, we are parents. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be proud of them. And you always want the best for your children, which is kind of a reflection of God's love for us, right? My, um, my oldest is my son. He's 26. He drives school buses for a district in, in Bremerton. He loves his job. I expected him to be in some kind of computer design or whatever. He's very outgoing. He's gone through a great uh, trial with two forms of leukemia. Uh, people are drawn to him. I know that he's designed and created for something greater, you know. And yet, I understand that he is happy where he's at right now. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to pray for him. And um, if this is where God wants him, then great. If if it's not, then I know God will move him into those other things. My middle daughter is in her senior year. At Central in child development or child life, she basically social work for working with children. She was my son's donor when he had leukemia, and she really has a heart for everybody, for those that are hurting and lost. And she and just sometimes that heart is so so big. And um, but I remember I love the way God's created her, and she's very focused on finishing her bachelor's and going on to get her master's um, to serve children and, and young people, and uh, I think it's very admirable. Uh, it's interesting to see her uh, kind of develop um, and think about the world around her. Uh, and then our youngness is going to uh, Washington State and now as a cheerleader, but she went at, 
graduated high school a little early. She was young for her age. She had her running start, her two-year um, associate's degree, um, got um, recruited by uh, California Baptist University, which is a private school in California, number one school in the, in the nation for cheer, national champions. She went there and won the national championship on the cheerleading team and um, for, for girls cheerleading. Um, and she was as a freshman. And so it was the first time that the, the freshman team had won the national championship in years. So a lot of success. But uh, she's still um, very young. She had just turned 18 at the end of her first year at college. And so she's still very young, really had a hard time with the other girls, you know, struggled and didn't want to go there anymore. So she took a gap year. And the gap year was... Um, I saw her develop from being a very young, young, young child to a young woman. She worked a couple jobs. She practiced on her skills. The goal was to make another team. And you would think that she was drafted. She was on a national championship team. That would be very easy. And it wasn't. She worked really hard. Her skill level, we, we paid a lot of money as well. But we had some great coaches. Got open at the door to literally have her train in the one of the best gyms uh, nationally in, in the nation uh, and one of the best coaches in the nation just happened to take a liking to her and give her free lessons on top of the ones we paid for and then offer her a job to coach as well because she loves coaching and, and as well. It's, it's just amazing how God opened that door. And for a year, she was home and was able to build her skills and uh, get ready to try out for teams. So you think, okay, it's a slam dunk. And so she had a number of teams that were reaching out to her about trying out, and she narrowed it down because of travel schedule and so forth to two schools. And the first school, she wanted to go there because all her friends were going there. We're like, all right, this is a mistake. And she went, and she didn't make the team. She didn't do her skills. She, and we're like, what in the world happened? I mean, this is a team that she should have made with her eyes closed. But she didn't. We're like, okay, God, what are you doing? Then she went to another team and uh, that was a better team, a high, more elevated team, but a team that, that she didn't really want to go to school. And, of course, I think um, she went and then she was on callbacks and she didn't make that team. Talk about devastating. She worked a whole year, um, took a gap year to make another team, and she's been denied twice. Um, this, this is, you know, she's trying to struggle with this as a young adult. I'm, I'm sharing this because it's like, wow, okay, what are you doing? This is the same girl, my youngest girl, that didn't start cheer until her freshman year. She tried out for the high school team, didn't make it. She was the last one to be cut. But she didn't give up. She went and got lessons, started another team, uh, came back the next year, made the team. Then she, the year after that, she was the team captain, and then she was the assistant coach. Uh, and then she was the only uh, girl from her high school to be um, given a scholarship or cheer in college. Um, so, I mean, it's just amazing her work ethic is there. So I'm proud of her. Uh, anyway, long story short, um, she missed out on the other schools that she could have had an opportunity that were recruiting her. The tryouts came and went. So she's going to be out of school again, and she is just devastated. So the coach um, where she was training made, called, made some favors, got her accepted at a, a school in Texas called uh, um, Sam Houston University, which is also a top-rated cheer team as well. And they gave her a spot without even seeing her cheer, which is one of those things amazing. Um, but she had um, she called out to other people she knew, her coach from Dick Harbor, her other coaches, and then um, she reached out to the Washington State University coach. And she goes, I know I missed tryouts. 
Uh, is there any opportunity to um, um, make the team next year or this year? And the coach said, hey, we're trying out one other girl after the fact, based on the numbers we have. So we're, they held a private tryout for two girls, my daughter and another girl. And the team took both girls. So she's now cheering for Washington State University, a team that's in a D1A, which is the you know NCAA. And it's where my wife went. So it's, it's kind of one of those weird things where that's where I believe God wanted her to go. But it's just how all those things came together to provide a place for her. I want to encourage you all that uh, even when the doors are shut, they're probably shut for God. It says God shuts the doors and no one can open, and he opens the doors no one can shut. Uh, and he works all of these things, right? Romans 8.28 says that he works all of these things for our good and his glory for those that love God and that are called according to his purpose. I believe my daughters and my son and myself and you are all called according to his purpose. And he's going to work all these things, the, the sad things, the, the losses, the closed doors, and uh, prepare us for the place where the door is open. So uh, I say all that. I didn't want to spend that much time on my daughter and stuff, but I'm going to encourage you all that it's just amazing how cool it is. So now she's on the Washington State University cheer team. The reason I brought this up is if you know anything about college sports, they're in conferences. It's a lot about money, whether it be the University of Washington, whether it be Washington State University, uh, most major colleges. I know that Eastern and Central also have teams, but not as much of the money is driven because of sports. But you'd have football that generates enough revenue to pay for all the other sports. So all the other Title IX sports, all the other baseball, um, tennis, and so forth have revenue because football brings it in. Same thing for Washington State. Football brings in a lot of revenue for the college. That's the ticket revenue, that's the sales revenue, the, the merchandise revenue, but it's also the TV revenue. So lately there's been this big breakup. And why it's important to us as Christians is it's interesting to see because our kids are being affected um, you, this mass exodus, you have UCLA and USC, uh, UW and Oregon uh, joining the Big Ten. And they went from making about $20 million a year in TV revenue uh, under the Pac-12 to $60 million a year. Again, generating more revenue um, for the college and, and the other sports teams. Uh, more dollars, if you will. Um, so they left. So that left four teams. And the Pac-12, because other teams left as well. So now you have um, Oregon State, um, WSU, um, Cal, and Stanford, I think it is. or NSC, Four teams. Anyway, then yesterday uh, it was announced that Stanford and Cal are going to join the AAC, which is the it's an East Coast-based team, basically. So, But it's another uh, uh, top five division or uh, conference, if you will. Their revenue is going to go up uh, about $10 million a year and then over time increase, but it's about TV dollars and about exposure and so forth, which leaves only Oregon State and Washington State University in the Pac-12. And apparently the Pac-12 um, will either be rebuilt or it will fold. So um, the Mountain West, which is the, the division where Boise State is, or the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference and I think the Big 12, I think, is also looking at these two teams. So in the next week or two, they'll decide where they're going. If they end up in something like the Mountain West or the AAC, the, the school president has already told the cheer team uh, and other teams they're going to have to self-fund because the revenues 
of $20 million a year will be cut. It's just it affects it's a it's a trickle domino effect. If they join like the Big Twelve, then their revenues will go up and it won't be an issue. But so here's my daughter on this team, and they're being faced now in the next couple of weeks as on her first her junior year. She has got one more year. That next year they're going to be in a completely different division, unless for some reason the Pac-12 is restored. Why is that important to you? It's because it, it money's playing a huge factor and it affects our states. Or you have the almost like was 80 or 100 year rivalry between UW and WSU, the Apple Cup. This is the last year where they're in the same conference where that rivalry will be uh, enforced. They may play in the future, but it will be non-conference games. One will be in the Big Ten and the other one will be wherever. And it will be like, oh, okay, that all that tradition and all that thing is gone. So I thought that was just... Very interesting to bring you uh, attention to it, whether you're a sports fan or not. It really, that's, it's more than that. It's about finances. It's about uh, culture. It's about cross-state rivals, if you will, when it comes to sports. And the money-generated revenue, if you will, uh, that these sports bring in is really driving this to, uh, down the future. A couple things. One is driving um, them to change conferences, change opponents, um, to bring in more um, to the schools, which is interesting. And what are they doing with, with the money? I just mentioned the good part. They fund other sports, so kids have an opportunity to, to go to college on a scholarship or to play college sports to compete. Um, like Stanford, apparently like 80%, it's at some astronomical number of their college athletes are also Olympic athletes. So there's something tied into that that's an opportunity to compete physically, uh, at the highest levels, at the collegiate and, and international levels, is an opportunity some kids wouldn't get if the funding wasn't there. The downside is, is okay, uh, it brings in all the wrong types too. With uh, Now they have the NIL. If you're not familiar with what this is, it's name and likeness. For years, they talked about how much revenue a college or university would bring in through sports. So they're making money basically on us enjoying these college athletes who their reward was a scholarship to get free education. Uh, if you will, they were paying for it through their athletic endeavors. Um, there was an argument about having to pay college athletes, and then they'd say they'd be pros and so forth. It wouldn't be fair. Well, now they have this college rule about name and likeness. There are college athletes making tens of millions of dollars a year based on their potential, their name ID, their likeness, because their popularity now in college sports. And it's already causing uh, lots of issues. So we'll see where that goes in the long run. But um, again, more money is not always the best for this. But something you should be aware of that in the next couple, probably days or weeks, uh, Washington State and Oregon State will be in some other conference more than likely. And the Pac-12, which has been around for many, many, many years, or the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12 as it's got, uh, evolved over the years, will be no more. Uh, very, very interesting as times change. Obviously, the ongoing uh, corruption of Biden, the indictments of Trump, on um, kind of they swallow up the national news. Uh, I talked about the debate last week uh, after the debate, this Vivek Ramaswamy, which I talked about as well. It's getting a lot of popularity. It's interesting to see that, how these populist candidates I compared him to Trump a little bit last week, and then of course someone else compared him to Obama, and both have definite um, similarities, if you will. 
Uh, and then, of course, on the, the local stage, we have elections. It is September, folks, September, which means you've got about 10 weeks, nine weeks, until the November election. So if you're helping out a local candidate for school board, for city council, for county council, for sheriff, for prosecutor, whatever it may be, now is the time. Uh, we've got to rally the votes. We've got to send a message. Um, and then, of course, um, I, I, this is my, my rallying call. We're called for a purpose. This is the time that we're supposed to get engaged. That, you know, if we don't do something now, who's going to do it, right? If not you, then who? If not now, then when, right? This is the old, I, I tell myself, if not me, then who? If not now, then uh, when, right? And it, it is now and it's me. What can I do and what can I do now to make a difference uh, for the future of our children? for the future of this country. And I will say this, I'm seeing more and more and more uh, evidence across this nation as they talk about opening up and, and uh, another uh, pandemic and another shutting down and more mass mandates and all this fear-mongering uh, as we get close to an election. Um, I see more and more people go, nope, I ain't going to do it. Because the numbers and the people haven't had time to reflect and look back upon and realize that, all of this, all of it was a lie to us, trying to get, intimidate us, to make us fear, to um, control us, to take away more of our freedom. So now's the time, this election, this day, this weekend, as we enjoyed Labor Day weekend, we celebrate our work ethic and the history of this nation, that we turn and go, okay, what is my calling? What is my purpose? What can I do right now? How can we push back against what this fear is. We will not fear. And of course, as Paul says, we started the show, do not consider your life something of value or dear. Find your purpose. And if you're not afraid to die, they can't hurt you. That's all I got for today. Take care and God bless. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty.